0: Hello, everybody. I just want to let you know that about five minutes in this recording, there is the sound of rain and hail. It's really not disruptive, and actually, it fits the theme that we're going to be talking about today. But we wanted to just give you that heads up so when you hear that sound, you know what it is. How to Tell Stories to Children is a biweekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling.
1: I am Silka Rose West. And I am Joseph Saracy. We are the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children.
0: Our goal is to foster diverse storytelling by helping individuals like you awaken to the storyteller within. Good morning, Silka. Good morning, Joe. We had a listener write in to us recently and asked if we would address the topic of how stories can help heal traumatic events with our children. And uh, I'm gonna read a few of her words. She writes, I would be interested in hearing your perspectives and advice on storytelling for healing trauma. I understand that when it comes to a traumatic event, That through telling our story, it helps us to integrate the experience in a way that helps it to not hold as much power over us in a negative way. And this, of course, applies to all ages. A simple example is how, when my then two year old daughter was running down a hill and fell and hit her head on a small rock that caused her to bleed, she wanted to repeat the story of how it happened again and again. And so we did. And it seemed to help in many ways. She also always wants to hear how a similar thing happened to me in the past, and she'll listen to my story of when I was a kid or whenever, and in relating to each other, I think it comforts her and helps her to feel understood. In my own healing journey, I now know personally that storytelling is also a form of healing, that when we share our stories with each other and we share our empathy, we heal ourselves and each other.
1: Thank you. I I really appreciate having our listeners come forth and speak. And I'm a mother too. Joe is a father. And we are teachers, uh, but we're not therapists. And so if you do have something come up where you feel like this is too big of an event, uh, we do encourage you to go seek a professional help from a therapist or a counselor and today we're going to attempt to speak about stories in support to cope with trauma in the best way that we can coming from our own experience as parents and teachers and we hope to share some of our wisdom with you and hope it helps
0: yeah thank you for that that that's a really good reminder for me as well thank you silka i want to start off by maybe just just defining what we mean by trauma. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to start with, with a simple physical kind of medical uh, definition. You know, trauma is basically when we have a physical injury. We get uh, a trauma in our body. We have a cut or a bruise or some kind of lesion uh, that just impairs the healthy function of that organ or that tissue. And when we start with that definition, we now can kind of leapfrog to the psychological use of that term. Because as humans, we also experience trauma in our emotional and psychological lives. And what that is, is just some kind of impairment to our emotional, psychological makeup that that impairs the healthy function of our normal mental and emotional lives. So that's what we're speaking about here when we when we talk about trauma, because it can be a very big subject. And so we're going to try to keep this kind of narrow here. We're largely talking about that emotional, psychological component. Um, but as Silka said, you know, when we're talking about children that have gone through something extremely traumatic, abuse, the death or loss of a loved one. Um, These are times that it's really worth seeking uh, professional help. Okay, so Suka, could I ask that maybe you could just start us off a little bit by giving us an example. We heard um, this woman's example of her little daughter. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could give us an example of a child who's gone through a traumatic event of some sort, right? We know that there's a whole range of what that might be and how you might use story to help that child process that experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I would like to go to, um, uh, take you all to my kindergarten. And there I feel always felt like I was the mother of many children. So when something takes place to one child, it impacts also all the other children around. And so I, I'm going to give us a situation that we can uh, feel into and one child is uh, getting ready to go outside on the play yard and it runs out of the classroom and it trips and falls down the stairs and gets a big bonk on the head and it's really scared and Frightened, starts crying and some of the other kids that stand also witness are a little scared. And so I find myself going to, you know, check on the child and scoop it up and evaluate and see whether, you know, where, where is the child. And, and first of all, let the child feel my hands and my strong uh, adult body holding the child and perhaps even humming a little bit if the child is really upset and just looking and when i do the humming calming my own self down and also my other children that are standing behind watching i'm creating a safety a safety circle around this injured child and then i i speak what i observed and I say, I saw you run down the stairs and you fell and you hit your head. Oh my, that must really hurt. And then even in the tone of my voice, there is a gentleness. And, and at the same time, this true, like, I, I, I care for you. And as the other children who are standing behind me are watching, I, uh, once I know that the child You know, it may need an ice pack, it might need a few things that I can get somebody to get those things to me. But as I sit with the child, then I might start to tell a little story of, you know, that happened one time to me. When all the children were at home, I was preparing to set up the classroom and I had forgotten my phone in the car and I ran so fast and I fell too. And, oh, I had such a big bruise on the head. You wouldn't believe it. And in that moment, what I give to the child, just like this mom spoke, that uh, our, our listener, is the child does feel, I'm not alone with my pain. My caretaker, my teacher understands me. And the other children that are listening, and they also hear, oh, the teacher has compassion. The teacher understands. And then I, in in a classroom setting, I might take the child back inside and and gather my other kids around and say, Well, until we are all ready to go outside and until this uh, little friend feels better, we'll take a little time and I'll tell you another story. And this story is about the big bear who stumbled in the woods over a log. And so I might then use storytelling to buy myself more time and also let the injured child feel the presence of all of its friends that are actually now not running off to play, but they're they're with us. We're here together. You know, we're not just leaving you behind. And and that's a really powerful experience because when children experience that, they will most likely uh, imitate that behavior and do that for their friends. If let's say the teacher wasn't near and, and they would have something like this happen with a friend or with a little sibling, they can imitate that behavior then. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just want to take a second to acknowledge to our listeners, I don't know if you can hear that, a big uh, hailstorm just came through, and we do our best here to uh, uh, keep our recordings uh, in a, a soundproof room, but uh, boy, we can't keep out that hail, it looks to be like half an inch out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, just just the reality of life. So thank you, Silka, for that example. And I think that, I think that's a, a good example of this first type of therapeutic story that we've talked about. And, and, and there's three types that we're, we want to address today. And so this mother's example and the example you just gave was this repeating this story of the real events that helps a child, especially particularly a young child who has tripped and fallen or something has happened and gotten hurt, um, helps them just understand what happened um, and stay with the story and make sense of it, but not only hearing it in the form of a story, but of course being held in that loving presence. So I think this is a a fairly simple and direct way that, that we can use story to heal small, traumatic events, um, and I think that we can relate to pretty easily. Now, I want to bring up the next kind of form of story that we're going to address here, and that's really soothing and calming stories. And before I I dive into that, I want to read this. This is a quote I, I pulled off of a counseling site that I think really gives some good perspective on this. So it says, Storytelling in psychotherapy is the act of telling a story with the aim of facilitating the client to better understand themselves. It bypasses common client defenses. This is the important part. It bypasses common client defenses such as over analysis and hypercognition and takes them directly into their feelings. So, This second type of story that we're talking about is when perhaps something uh, difficult has happened, whether that's a physical injury or maybe it's an emotional breakdown. I think a good example is a toddler um, having a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store or maybe it's the airport or whatever it is. Something difficult has happened and this child is struggling to stay composed. In these moments, we don't want to just repeat (laughs) back to them what caused the injury, right? This is a time when we can use storytelling and and the beautiful, soothing, attractive, calming quality of storytelling to help a child come back to a grounded, peaceful state. I, well, would you like to give us an example?
1: I would actually, because when I hear that, uh, what comes to mind was that I traveled with my two daughters to Germany when my youngest one was only like three years old. And we always traveled alone without daddy. And Everything seemed fine, and out of the blue, my youngest daughter had a fit, and she actually threw herself on the ground, and she was starting to scream and and cry, and I was helpless. I actually didn't know what was the trigger, and. I had told her she couldn't go with someone to the store. And that's what I thought. But it didn't make sense. The response, Her response was too big. And so I uh, scooped her up and she was fighting me. And my mother's heart was like, I was in such a desperate state. I can still feel that today, this helplessness. And I'm like, I don't actually know what story to give her because I don't know what's really going on. And I had to scoop her up and walk with her a little bit. And that walking I had to actually do for myself, to calm myself, to breathe. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? And I had to stay with it until she was able to say, really sobbing, I just miss my daddy. And I'm like, oh, you miss your daddy. I know, he's so far away, he's all the way in America, and we were in Germany. So I looked around and I really was looking for help, and I saw this family of ducks nearby. And I'm, look over there, there's a family of ducks. And then she's like, yes, and even they have their daddy. And then I actually said, yes, they have their daddy, and I know you miss your daddy. How about we we'll tell a little story. And in our story, how about we pretend that your daddy is the papa duck over there. He's the one. Look, and he's here. And then I used the image of the little ducklings in front of us, and I told a story. And when she felt understood that I really understood she was missing her papa, and I gave her a story, she was actually felt in her breathing, she calmed down. And that night when we went to bed, I told her the story of Papa Duck again and how Papa Duck now was called to go far away and he was missing his little ducklings. So he told Mama Duck that she should sing a special song to the little ducklings if they ever miss him Mm. and that he would be back very soon. And I felt like a relief in my own self yeah, this this intense feeling as a parent, being helpless and feeling the pain of your child, and you so want to help, but sometimes the child doesn't is not old enough to have the language to actually say what's really going on, and then we need to take a little time to see can we find out what's actually truly underlying. You no. Know.
0: You you brought up several. Interesting points there to me, and 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 the first one that I'm I'm getting is, is that you know sometimes when our children are are having a very strong reaction, whether it's sadness or frustration or anger, it seeps into us, right? We become anxious, and so the power of story to calm and soothe a child is is at the same time the power to calm and soothe yourself. Right because when your child calms down, you also calm down. And so it can be a really important tool. Another thing that I heard you say is how in this experience you drew attention to the ducks and how when we're telling a story of this kind, it helps to have characters. It does not have to be animals but characters that maybe we identify with, that we relate to, but that aren't us, you know, that somehow are different. So it takes a little bit of the attention, the spotlight off of the child or maybe even off of ourselves as a parent. Um, This isn't a story, right? Like in that first example of here's a child who's tripped and falled and we're helping them understand what happened. That really is a very real story. It is kind of about us, right? In this, now we're talking about telling a story that we're veering away from reality a little bit, and we're doing it in order to steer their attention and focus to a safe harbor and hold them in that safe place so that as they calm down, as their breathing, as their body, as their nervous system calms down, and ours does too, then, and again, this is what you said in your example, it allowed your daughter to actually express what was going on. She was able to actually give it voice. So there's there's a lot of things happening there.
1: What stands out for me is redirecting and relocating rather than standing in the place where it's all happening and trying to figure out, I, I felt like that the movement was really important to move away from that place of stuckness and then to redirect. And in that, being able to see something that is not possible to, to, to actually see from the place of this stuckness. And even as adults, we can relate to that. Sometimes we wanted to stay in that place because we're so sure the answer is right there. But that moment of movement, it also invites us to breathe, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to come back to this quote from the, from the counseling site. Storytelling bypasses common client defenses, such as overanalysis and hypercognition. It takes them directly into their feelings, hmm. right? Sometimes if we have a difficult moment, we experience this as adults and we experience it as children. Our minds do this thing. We're just cycling on this injury, right? This emotional or psychological injury. Yeah. Or maybe it is a physical injury. And we're like stuck on this wheel. And so this is one of the, the key ingredients of storytelling and there's a lot of uh, interesting research to back this up, that what storytelling does is it gets somebody's attention. It's attractive, it has this attractive element. As soon as you start telling a story, there's just something inherent in a person that starts kind of listening to that narrative structure and wanting to know what happened whether that story relates to this immediate moment or maybe is quite different. When we do that with a child, it allows them to draw their attention into your storyline, into ideally the calmness that's in your voice, the confidence, the comfort that's in your voice, and remove all that cycling mental, emotional activity, shift away from that in our own minds. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Joseph Saracy here. We're going to get back to the podcast in a second, but I want to share a few announcements. First, thanks for listening. We love your comments and questions, too, so keep them coming. You can reach us on our About page at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. Second, please rate this podcast and write a review if you have the time. It makes it easier for other folks to find us. You can also pledge $4 at Patreon and help keep this podcast alive and free for everyone. Third, the relaunch of our book is scheduled for June 22nd. We're going to be announcing lots of extra events, interviews, and giveaways in the next few months, so stay tuned. If you're not already on our mailing list, you can sign up at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. Finally, we're delighted to announce that the book has 15 foreign editions and counting, including Chinese, German. Japanese, Spanish, Korean, Arabic, and a whole lot more. So, wherever you're listening, you're bound to find a copy soon. Okay, now back to the episode. If I can't, then I'd like to move on to this third type of story that we want to address today. This is the fully therapeutic story. This is a story where we're working with a child who has experienced some real trauma in their lives. It's not, it's not an acute condition, right? This isn't like in the example like you just gave with your daughter and she's there in the moment and all of a sudden she's having a tantrum and you don't even know why, right? Mm-hmm. That's an acute condition, it's happening right mm-hmm. now. In this third example, we're talking about trauma that's, you know, this it's kind of this mental or emotional bruising or lesion that has a very real presence in a child's life. And because of that, it's impairing their healthy function, emotionally, psychologically. Maybe it's causing a child to be nervous and shy around groups of other children. Maybe it's causing a child to be fearful of some animal or interaction or event. Um, It could be a whole range of things, right? And in in this case, we're trying to craft a story for that child that gives them some ability to gain perspective on themselves, on their own situation, but yet without drawing too much attention to it. I'm calling that a therapeutic story. Would you be able to speak about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Therapeutic stories, I believe are stories that are creating a safe space to let something in that's really so much bigger than we can grasp. And even for us as adults where we might stand and we're like, how can I tell a story about this? This is so big. And I'm going to use uh, as an example the story of Wolf Boy. Who is a, that's a story that's uh, published in Susan Perrow's book A Light in the Night. This is a story that I wrote for this young child who experienced a brain tumor and had a sibling in my class. As this child entered into my classroom, the other children all said, Oh, you're going to die. And he had his head on his mama's shoulder and something magical happened one of my boys looked up to him and said can i do a saint michael puppet play for you and i had done some puppet plays before to the class and i had told also stories to the class before i knew that the children had already received the message that this is so much bigger we just we can use a story to actually cope with this because it's so sad and we have to all face it and the story of wolf boy really speaks about the the process of this dying child but in a way that we can actually all stand witness to it and this story was actually given to us by this little boy who then died because of the way that he even held himself at three and a half years old. And he said, yeah, tell me a story of St. Michael. And then Wolf Boy basically is the story of the little boy who tells us all how to help him to die. It took so much courage to go to that place of telling that story and telling it over and over again, because It's a story that is told in the face of the dying child and um, yet I was given the message that in the midst of the most difficult trauma, whether it's a parent that's uh, terminal ill or a sibling that has died, all those things, to stay present with it. And the story allows us to stay present with it. And at the same time, it's almost like creating a beautiful weaving or something that just makes us know we're still safe here on Earth, even this is happening. So my story becomes almost like a a cloak that makes us all feel like we're safe and was safe, even with this situation. So this situation is being now taken into the story realm where I use characters, I oftentimes use animals or fairies or angelic beings, that also help us to leave a little bit this heavy earthly realm of the human being to like, lift a little bit above And maybe, as in Wolf Boy, it's the animals that are coping with this situation. And they have the friends, the trees. Um, When I tell stories like that, I light a candle. And then the candle becomes kind of the focal point. And especially if the child who is the terminal ill child is in the room then this candle takes the place where the gaze of everyone is going to. And so there is not this overwhelm of the gaze being at the person who is very ill. And uh, so now we are creating space. And in that space, everyone, the person who is... Very sick, when the and the others who are all standing by and feeling that helplessness, they can all find themselves in the story, and they can all feel held.
0: So, in this in this example, I mean, this is a very potent example, and I, I'm, I'm going to speak maybe, <laughs> maybe I can speak for some of our listeners in this way that that's. Uh, <clears throat> it's in, it's intimidating when we're talking about a story that is that that is speaking to a child and even in this a uh, classroom of children to help give them perspective on something that is truly hard for anyone to sit with we might not feel up to the task right this is where we're going to want to maybe draw upon those resources like you said earlier when we began off um we we This might be an appropriate time to seek that professional help. But there are times, maybe in lighter situations, that we might attempt something like this with our own children if we feel up to that task. Might you be able to give us an example of something like that?
1: Yeah, it would help me if you give me a situation, a situation. and then I'll craft the story.
0: Yeah, so... How about this? How about a child who has grown very close to their best friend in kindergarten and first and second and third grade? And in fourth grade, that wonderful friend and that family moves to another state because of, you know, family situation. Um, and, And now this young child is alive and well. But it's it's there's a, there can be a lot of anguish around losing that close friend. How might we approach and help a child, perhaps our own child, process that by crafting a story that helps give them some perspective? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's actually a story that speaks to my heart once again because. I raised two daughters and my oldest one always had a best friend nearby and my youngest daughter had the experience of every time she made best friends with someone, that best friend moved away Mm -hmm. to the point where she said, why is this always happening to me? Mm -hmm. And where I saw that she stopped trusting in creating friendships and so I started to work with stories that um, I, I I looked in around in the natural world, where is this happening? That someone goes far away and yet you could still stay in touch, and I so I had to look at the birds again. The birds that are flying down south in the winter and they are then returning. And I felt like that maybe these stories could help me. And in it, there would also be the promise that we could visit those friends again. And they're all still here on this earth. They just moved to another state. And of course... When your grandmother was alive, and she lived in a small village, she did not have to encounter that, because she always lived in the same village, and she went to kindergarten with the same people, and she... You know, she didn't experience that. But, you know, we are like the birds. We are like the birds that fly to the distant land. And just like your friend moved away, there will be someone else that will also come here. So we're, we're also going to make a new friend. And maybe that new friend is going to meet one of your old friends. And the friend that went all the way far away might tell a story about you to a new friend that she is going to make. Imagine how many friends you will be connected to. And then we actually did experience this at one point because we flew to Whitby Island to visit the friend that had moved away. And then we learned to just... Uh loved that place so much and we were so joyful for our friend that she had found that place and she opened it up for us. Mm-hmm. And then also this encouragement of like, well, I wonder, you know, in the story bringing in and things like, well, we can write letters and the letters they will fly just with you know depending on the age of the child in the in you know you could say we send it with the fairies to the magical forest and then how about we find a tree over here and ask your friend if she could have a tree that's similar to the one here and then we can visit Or we build a pirate boat and we'll pretend that we are going to visit her when the sun goes to the west. Because, you know, your friend, she traveled to the west. And I know it's sad. I'm actually, no. And actually, I don't know how it feels. Because when I was a little girl, no one ever moved away. And then I have to also find my voice and and let my child know, yes, I know how it feels or no, I don't know how it feels. And uh, through the story, though, trying to have that compassion and that deep understanding.
0: Yeah, I think that's a key point here is that um, compassion and that expression of empathy. As we were preparing for this, I was looking over a few notes and one thing that I saw was the advice to, you know, if, if you have a child that's encountering something difficult and you're wanting to work with that a little bit, this is an area where you might really sit down and kind of craft that story a little bit. You might even practice writing it a little bit. You might share it with another sympathetic adult beforehand to make sure that you're not, let's say, too preachy (laughs) or, you know, that that, that there isn't too much of your own agenda sneaking in to the story, but that it, it really does help your child gain perspective, but without being... Too explicit about oh this is the way you should think about it or do it or something like that. I thought that was really good, um, really good advice. I'd like to also just share some potential resources for any of our listeners that are. That are interested in that level of storytelling because it, you know, it can feel like a lot. And one is uh, Soka you mentioned earlier, which is Susan Perro's book, "Stories to Light the Night." Um, that's an entire collection of stories that she's put together. And one of Soka's stories is in there about dealing with grief and loss. Um, so really addresses that whole topic. She has another book uh, called "Therapeutic Storytelling." that really just outlines this whole process. You can also reach out to a teacher maybe, or an elder that your child is connected to, even potentially a librarian in your area that might have some resources and help you find some books and ideas about how to create stories this way. It is raining pretty hard out there, (laughs) Um, uh, which is wonderful here in New Mexico. We always welcome the rain. And also, just repeating that from the beginning: that if you are working with a child who who has a deep level of trauma, that's that is the time to bring in um, some professional help—a therapist, a counselor, someone like that. I'm also going to put in a couple links uh, in the summary of the podcast to a couple quick resources that I thought were pretty good that had some kind of step-by-step instructions for how you might create a a story like this. So uh, if you're interested, you could look into those resources. So Soka, is there anything that you'd like to say uh, as we sort of wrap up here?
1: Yeah, the therapeutic stories are... Stories where you just have to have that courage to really feel deep in your own heart what is needed, and to really tune in with your child of what it, what is it that my child truly needs, and uh, it actually is something that will last you for a lifetime. It's something that, especially during the time when your child goes through teenagerhood and into adulthood those stories they will be remembered that children will remember them Mm. and i've seen that uh, since my daughters have grown up and i feel like there is this deep appreciation uh, that they have
0: yeah and silka i think i've seen this with some of your students who are now young adults and some of some of the own encounters that you and I have had together, that uh, you, know, I think we're being a little bit careful here in not encouraging uh, everyone to just oh just run out and try it. Sometimes some of these some of these therapeutic stories do really take a level of investment, and yet it is something that we can tap into. And the thing that we especially tap into is that empathy and compassion. When we really approach a child with that very grounded and authentic love, sometimes we are able to open doors in our own minds, in our own stories that bring healing. And that healing sometimes is not so exclusively about the content of the story. It's not necessarily an expertly crafted story that sheds new light on the condition, but what it does is it conveys that love and attention. And that itself
1: is incredibly healing. It's the, I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Mm. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to How to Tell Stories to Children, a bi-weekly podcast from the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children, an acclaimed new book empowering parents and teachers across the world.
1: A new edition is due out in 15 languages from Houghton-Mifflin Harcourt in June of 2021. You can find more story ideas at howtotellstoriestochildren.com and on our Facebook page.
0: You can also submit questions and topics. We like to hear from
1: you. And by pledging $4 on Patreon, you can help us keep this podcast alive and free for everyone.
0: Together, we can spread the intimacy and joy of storytelling, one family at a time.